Okay, so Joe, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna jump right into it. Oh, uh, mm. what's what's your background? I mean, I know you're from Southampton, but were you born there? Yeah. Did you go to school there? Yeah. So, so I'm from Southampton, uh, which is basically in the south of the UK. Um, and yeah, I've lived here all my life, pretty much. Um, never moved house. So I've always been down here. I went to school down here um, and I went to college in a place called Winchester, which is not far. Uh, it used to be the capital of England, actually, long, long time ago, uh, Winchester. And then after that, I went to university in Leeds, which is in Yorkshire, which is, you know, about 250 miles north. Um, so, yeah, always and, been. And what, are you, what are you studying there? So I'm doing geography at the moment at Leeds, which um, isn't just volcanoes and things, it's a bit of a combination of a lot of different things, a bit of economic, sustainability, politics. It's a bit of a mishmash of, of all those things. Okay. So, I mean, that's 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 quite an extensive uh, background on studying. Uh, um, okay, so let's uh, move on to, you know, the topic of the day, which is one planet, one chance, as uh, sure. you can see in the background, uh, you're representing one planet, one chance. Um, so w- where did you come up with the idea? Like what sparked the idea of one planet, one chance? Were you just uh, sitting around one day and then just mm. came to mind? Or, or did you see a problem and then you thought that, you know, you could maybe do something about it? Um, so the environment has always been one of my my keen interests, actually um i've grown i've had the privilege of growing up with a family that's you know they've got me interested in a lot of different things the environment was was one of those things um you know they used to take me to nature reserves um and you know really like further my interest in that way from a very young age so i'm i'm lucky to have those supportive parents and basically it's just stemmed from that really my interest has just grown uh through primary school uh which for the, the people listening that's about age sort of five to age 11 um during that period when i was about age nine uh the school put me forward to be part of a a government think tank a children's government think tank Um, and what that involved is is it was a national think tank so a few children about 20 children got picked from the whole of the uk um from all different areas i was lucky enough to be one of them and uh basically went on lots of different trips around the uk we saw how things were recycled in the uk um, how our waste was dealt with, uh, sort of projects, something called Bedsed, which is basically uh, a little town in London that they developed, uh, which is based off zero emissions. And basically, we went around loads of different trips, like another one to investigate climate change at the time, which was the government. Um, and then I had the privilege of taking this manifesto to uh, the Houses of Parliament, a meeting, Ed Miliband there, who was uh, the Secretary of State for the Environment, um, and that, you know, that was when I was about nine years old. And it's really stemmed from that. Um, I was on Blue Peter. I've featured on the TV a few times. I had my uh, a newspaper column for a while as well as I was growing up. Oh, uh, wow. That's, wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. you started off young and, and it wasn't just like, yeah. it didn't just spark one day. It, it was a process. No, no, very, very much uh, sort of a gradual process. Um, and yeah, everything's just built from my childhood, really. Um, but in terms of one planet, one chance, getting back to why we're here, um, that was a couple of years ago. So, you know, I was away with some friends and uh, we were traveling through Europe and uh, we just noticed, you know, there's obviously you read a lot about it, but there's rivers and beaches that were passed and that we just had a lot of rubbish. And uh, plastic pollution is always something that I felt is is such a huge problem, especially when it gets into the sea, because, you know, once it's there, you can't you can't get it back, really. Um, it's one of those things that we have to nip in the bud now. We can't try and solve it later. Um, and that was, you know, the area that me and my friends really wanted to to basically go into and target and tackle. Because, um, because it's, it's it's a cycle. The rubbish goes into the ocean yeah. and then it comes right back uh, onto our dinner tables. And uh, yes, you know, exactly. Especially for Definitely. kids when they're growing up, you know, they need healthy food. Mm. Um, mm. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, uh, so how, how much... Uh, have you collected so far how much uh, uh, litter have you collected so far so we got to about two and a half tons um but obviously that was 
all stops about October last year because of the coronavirus uh, regulations in the UK. Obviously, it's been pretty bad here. And so every time there's been a lockdown, we haven't been able to meet. And obviously, our sort of thing relies on people meeting together and, and going to beach cleans and things. So we, we had to cease our operations. But we're looking to begin them now as, as the UK comes out of lockdown. Um, I mean, is it two and a half tons? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. around half tons, and and when you think a lot of that is is tiny bits of plastic, you know, stuff like, you know, this this pencil, for instance, you think that doesn't weigh much, um, but two and a half tons of lots of different little bits like that is is pretty pretty amazing when you think about it. And yeah, it's it's no small number, man. That's uh, that's really heavy. <laughs> um, okay, so for those of you who who do not know, um, I came into contact with Joe around last year. March. Uh, it was through uh, Zuby's live. Uh, it was. It was. And, and then uh, I asked him. I asked Zuby a question about uh, climate change, and then Joe messaged me later on, and then he he, and then we discussed about about and environmental issues concerning the world and and especially the Western areas, and how it's integrated with politics, and how politics may make it difficult to actually combat climate change. Uh, okay, so anyways, uh, uh, we got in touch and, and uh, he helped me establish uh, One Planet, One Chance Fiji. So, so far we've collected about 250 kilos. That's that's about just like a tenth of what, what you, you guys have. Yeah. Um, uh, how, how seriously do people take environmental issues in, in the UK? Um, it's, it's definitely grown a lot. And I think these days, if you spoke to the average person on the streets of Britain, I think everyone admits that we need to do more. Um, you know, humanity needs to do a lot more for the planet. People are unhappy with plastic pollution. If you look at polling or anything like that, uh, climate denial is extremely rare in the UK. Nothing like in America, people have platforms. Um, you know, it's just not mainstream here at all. Everyone's accepted the science in that respect. But, you know, things like plastic pollution, everyone's against that. Everyone it's well publicized. It's in our media all the time. It's in the BBC, it's in the newspapers. Um, and it's just it's just growing. People do really, really recognize this an issue. It's just a case of, of how quick we're doing something about it, if you see what I mean. A lot of people know it's an issue, but in terms of things being done, it's, it's a bit slower. Uh, because I know in in America it's it's a bit polarized. Uh, you have uh, conservatives uh, uh, denying climate change that climate change exists, or that they, uh, there's a serious threat threat to the environment in terms of pollution. Um, I mean, they say they are proponents of science, but when it comes to climate change and environmental issues, they sort of cape. Um, they sort of uh, have their ideological uh, cape over that issue. Um, and and it's really interesting how how politics um, can affect um, uh, serious issues such as climate change. You know, people have a tendency to politicize things. Um, uh, I've seen a lot of people uh, criticizing capitalism uh, for for climate change, but but when you look at it, China is one of the biggest um, um, polluters uh, in the world, and they're not a capitalist state that they're, they're like semi but then they're communist also so yeah so that's that's an interesting thing you know it's the thing about climate change and and these environmental issues and let me know what you think about it is we shouldn't really politicize it we should approach it from a scientific perspective so what do you think yeah about it? yeah no 100 um i really think that you know, the facts are out there. The facts have been out there for years, to be honest. We're just adding to the same, uh, you know, research. That's, you know, it's been it's been evident for a long time now. But, yeah, no, I always do find it weird because on a lot of topics, conservatives are very much fact-orientated and it sort of comes to the environment and it seems to, to change a little bit. And I, I don't really know. You know, I always go with the facts and the stats and the data. I think it's really, really important to look at them with an impartial view to begin with and then build your opinions from that facts over feelings yeah of course of course but that that's my thing you know i don't i don't understand how they can purport that but then also not agree with the science when it doesn't suit them i feel you know 
very much with me is I look at the data first, I look at the facts, I look at the stats, and then I form my opinions. Whereas I think with some some people, it's it's a bit uncomfortable. And I, and I get that because people don't want to give up, um, you know, some of the lifestyles they've got, which is which is fair enough. And then, you know, of course, it's, it's for us uh, on the green side to show people that actually, you know, we can still have we can still have capitalism. Uh, but we can do it sustainably. You know, we can have rising living standards. We can have economic growth, but it needs to be sustainable. Um, and I think, you know, that argument really needs to be made to these people so that we can bring them on side, I think, which, you know, a lot of people, a lot of environmentalists, they they attack and they demonize these people. And I really don't think that's the answer to that. I think, you know, as I'm sure you know, if you demonize people, they just, you just get a defensive reaction. They're never going to join your side of the argument, so to speak. And I think it's up to us to, to create an argument that they find favorable as well which yeah, you, i think is you need you need a really unifying message to actually progress um in, in whichever issue you 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 try to tackle you really need a unifying message um that's probably part of the reason why um uh, joe biden was elected to be president uh, i mean people can say he has he's he's a facade unifier but but his message was on unity i mean whether you disagree or uh, agree or disagree with his policies um he did say that you know he wants to unite the left and the right to to combat covid um yeah. and uh yeah and 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 i i really think we can take a similar approach to climate change definitely i mean i mean the thing is uh with something like climate change there's so much that needs to happen that you sort of it's just not practical to have such a, a divisive discussion about it. We need to bring everyone on board. We need to, um, you know, satisfy people's fears of some of which, which are credible, you know, people that uh, have always worked in industries that are naturally carbon intensive. There needs to be a plan for them so that they can transition into a low carbon economy. Um, but, you know, I think it's possible and it, it has to be done because if, it's, if it isn't done, then, you know, we can't, go forward we can't make our countries greener if half of the population doesn't want to you know we're primarily democratic countries and it relies on the democratic will of the people so it's you know it's up to us as i say again to create a message that they can really get behind as well as well as us and that does not come from being divisive it doesn't come from attacking people for you know how they live and, and things like that yeah and and uh, uh, on that note we we were discussing uh, sometime around last year about how uh, one planet one chance events they don't um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a certain political view to actually join so you have people from all backgrounds uh, coming in to help and um, collect rubbish uh, later um it i mean it goes to show that uh, uh, that you don't really need to uh, bring in your uh, political um, uh, views into issues such as climate change. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's everyone that will be affected by it. So mm -hmm. you need to tackle the problem with everyone. You need to have a unifying. Yeah, and that's, that's very much our sort of ethos. You know, we don't discriminate against people of different political opinions. You know, we're a big tent in that respect you know we're, we're happy anyone that wants to make a difference uh it doesn't matter if you're left or right wing if you're if you've always been an environmentalist if this is a new thing for you and you're concerned about it you've seen some stuff on the news you want to get involved you know that's what we're here for we are here to create that opportunity for anyone who wants to do something about it to get involved and, and be a different uh just just bringing uh, us back to climate i mean one planet one chance um so so i've seen a few of uh, of uh, a few videos of of uh, uh, on your instagram page explaining about one planet one chance um, uh, i think i think it's in the information center information highlight um, so yeah. people usually see littering as i mean collecting litter as something as um, as a disciplinary activity you know like yeah, you're yeah. punished to collect uh, litter but yeah. One thing I've noticed uh, uh, with One Planet One Chance and the events is that it's it's like a it's more like a social event than actually yeah. you know going out and just picking up litter and you know it's mm. people actually socialize and and I guess that's that's a key element uh, 
uh, of uh, of succeeding in these types of events. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, um, it just goes back to, to what I said previously about making it appealing for all different types of people. And that's that's really what we've done. You know, we've, we've turned it into a bit of a social event um, because, you know, as you say, it has historically been seen as that, you know, across the world, you know, picking up litter is sort of a, a low grade thing to do. And we're, we're trying to change the perceptions on that. And and, you know, people find it rewarding, I think, which is really good. But obviously, as you say, you know, they're getting that social element out of it as well. And during times when we're hearing so much about mental health, I think that's really important for people to go out, meet like minded people and do something meaningful. You know, we're not sat at the pub or, you know, not doing anything. We're doing something really meaningful. And I think that really helps people as well. Um, but yeah, and outside of the environment stuff, we, we socialize as a group, you know, we've got a group chat going, uh, we're always there for each other, you know, we'll go for, you know, the odd meal out and things like that. So yeah, there's a, there's a whole social element and that's a big part of encouraging people to join us and really creating an appeal for, for environmentalism for all people. Um, yeah, that's, that's nice. Um, and, and, uh, you mentioned that, um, uh, unlike the us the uk is very much united on the issue of uh, climate change and plastic pollution uh, is mm. that represented in the government uh, in in the parliament yeah so you know i'd, I'd say the vast majority of people are united in, in that especially now um but i'd say you still get certain people in government you know some people want to progress really fast and you've got you know we have a green party in the uk and they very much want to hit that sort of uh, 2030 target and, and plow loads and loads and loads of money into investment. Um, you have Labour as well. That are, uh, they had a Green New Deal as well. But, uh, you know, even the Conservatives, they are very environmental. They've got a 10-point plan at every house in the UK to come the UK. You know, we have a lot of us in Ireland. We've got lots and lots of offshore wind. That, you know, we're, we're beginning to utilise more now. It's, it really is getting built. I think just in summary, um, you know, all the parties want to do want to do something uh, to stop climate change, uh, but different different parties to differing degrees. But even you know the Conservatives in the UK, they have a big plan. They the rhetoric is very green. It just uh, remains to be seen how much actions put in, and if it is, then fair play to them. They are they'll be doing a good job. But yeah, they've they've certainly certainly got lots of plans um, in terms of making the UK renewable. Uh, I spoke about wind energy before, um, and yeah, lo lots of different things like that. So, you know, fingers crossed. It should it, as long as they carry out their policies, we're on a, a road to carbon neutrality, which would be good. So I mean, um, so in your opinion, basically, the Tory uh, or the Conservative approach is is probably the most uh, efficient one and least damaging in the long term yeah i mean i i think there's got to be a balance and, and as i said before you've got to appeal to a lot of people and i think you know having come out of a massive recession people don't want to spend you know loads and loads and loads of money on a massive green new deal and and i don't think that would command the majority you know the majority of the sport uh, which is fair enough that's understandable um but yeah the, the sort of policies that they've got in place i think you know, if they put them through, it's going to be really good for the country. Do you think? Uh, do you think that's a result of uh, politicization? Because I mean, if the if the Tory government uh, politicized climate change, then obviously they wouldn't try to solve climate change. Uh, yeah. You can see that happening in in the U.S. So, mm. um, so I mean, it's really interesting because the conservatives are taking a non-political approach to climate change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I think, as I said before, the issue of, of climate change and environmentalism has definitely grown in the UK. You look at polling now and it's one of the top issues at election time. You know, uh, the 2019 election, we actually had a debate about uh, climate change and what all the parties were planning to do to basically hit net zero and, and prevent climate change from, from happening. So I think it, it's partially just general, you know, opinions of the populations become very environmental. The Green Party, however, as well, is commanding a lot of support, or it has been commanding a lot of support, particularly in the, the recent local elections. Um, but in general, you know, the Green Party's grown as a party. I've voted for them before. 
um, to send a message to the government. And I think, you know, they, they, a vote for the Green Party is, is telling the government in power that people do want these green policies. You know, Green MPs are not necessarily getting into the government, um, but, you know, their vote share is, is definitely something that statisticians are analysing, you know, government ministers are looking at that and thinking, you know, their support's going up, therefore we need to incorporate some green policies. I definitely think there's some of that at play. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's really good. I hope that they, they uh, you know, these are not empty promises and they, and they go towards them. I think their target of net zero uh, by 2050 needs to be brought forward a little bit. But, um, you know, compromises have to be made. And, and I think that basically the, the push for environmentalism will grow and I think it will be brought forward eventually. So, you know, it's, it's in the right direction, put it that way. Um, and what are your thoughts on Boris Johnson specifically? Because, I mean, people, a lot of people, they compare him to Trump. They say he's the Trump of UK. Um, yeah. But, but as, as, uh, as someone, uh, as an outsider, as, as a third person, I, I don't see him as a Trump figure. Um, because, I mean, he's, some of his approaches, uh, some of his uh, actions, they aren't, uh, they are slightly progressive, but, but it's, it has like a conservative uh, shade to it. Yeah. Uh, so, so what are your thoughts on Boris Johnson and how he specifically tackles these issues, such as climate change? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think with, with Boris Johnson, he's a very, he's obviously a very clever person, you know, uh, in the way that he presents himself, he does so in a way to basically make, you know, the ordinary person feel that they've got a bit in common with him or, you know, he will say things in a funny manner sometimes and be a bit more, you know, sort of realistic, which I think, I, you know, I, I for one don't know why more politicians don't do that, uh, because I think you look at the opposition at the moment, Labour, and Keir Starmer, he's very sort of wooden, a lot of people that can't really connect with him. And, you know, he's not a bad guy. Um, I think if he portrayed himself in more of a, if he was more of a character and had some, something a bit about him like Boris Johnson has, I think he would get a lot more support. So I think he's very clever in the way that he puts himself across um, as a politician. Uh, but yeah, I think, and his politics as well is, is very interesting. He's not... Um, as you say, you know, he, he does have some progressive policies in there for a conservative, but then also he does play um, to some of the more hardline conservatives. So I think it's, it's difficult. Some people will say that, you know, that makes him pragmatic. Other people will say that he, you know, he's just playing to get as many votes as possible and he doesn't have many principles of his own. Um, I think time will tell. Uh, you know how much he does for the environment and things like that it's, but at the end of the day it's uh it's the result that matters not the intention yeah of course of course um but yeah i mean the thing is we've as a country the uk's come out of a massive pandemic we're still going through it now um you know massive amounts of money have been spent our economy's recovering um and this pretty much hit you know not long after he took power properly in 2019 and got his mandate uh from that election so he hasn't really had an opportunity to do too much outside of a pandemic situation. He hasn't had a lot of opportunity to get his environmental agenda underway. Um, so, you know, I'm waiting to see what that entails really and to see how much progress we make there. So it's a, it's a bit hard to, to judge him yet, even though he's been in the job, you know, since 2019, because he's had this massive issue to deal with here in the UK. Um, and that has really been front and centre since March 2020. So. Hopefully now he'll get that opportunity, you know, he'll get a few years to really show what he's about. And I'm waiting for that. And I, I hope that there's going to be lots of, of environmental objectives hit during that time. Are you aware of any policies that he's uh, uh, passed uh, regarding uh, the environment? Yeah. Um, so he's brought forward, there was originally, I think it was him as well, when he first came in into power, he put a proposal to ban all uh, combustion cars uh, from all of Britain's roads by 2040, or ban the new ban new cars that were uh, combustion, so petrol and diesel, um, in Britain by 2040. That's been brought forward now to 2030, which I think will be really good, um, because I think 
you know, even electric cars that are produced, um, you know, the runoff electricity that's generated by fossil fuels, they produce drastically, you know, fewer emissions. So as well as increasing renewables, even if we've just produced our current electricity, it'd still be a lot better if people driving electric cars. So I think that's a very good proposal in itself. He, he went against quite a lot of the lobbyists in that because there was a lot of lobbyists from the automotive sector, the vehicle sector, and they were very against that. So I'm, you know, I'm happy he stood firm in that. Um, but yeah, he's this this wind energy proposal is one of his, um, and he really wants to base the green recovery off a lot of green proposals, and that is encouraging a lot of foreign direct investment uh, into various green in industries. So that's like hydrogen and things like that, battery technology as well. He's very focused on, um, and that's what I mean. That's the type of stuff which I think will command support from conservatives as well as environmentalists it's showing that we can have the economic growth but it needs to be in areas that are you know low carbon or zero carbon investing in industries like hydrogen like battery technology that's going to enable us and the rest of the world um, to become net zero i think that is the way and i wait to see if if that turns out and i hope it will so you know fingers crossed um if if there's one approach uh that you could change about, uh, if there's one thing you can change about uh, uh, Boris Johnson's approach to to the climate issue, uh, what would it be? Just putting you on the spotlight. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. Um, I mean, he's going to announce lots of new proposals at the COP26. I don't know if, if uh, your listeners know about that, but um, obviously there's been 26 this is the 26th conference um, for the COP and it's in the UK. And so he's he wants to unveil lots of new proposals there to wow everyone. And obviously that's where all the countries will be getting together to decide on the new targets and things like that. So that'll be interesting to see what he announces there. Um, but I think for me, renewable energy has got to be a big one because obviously we need energy to power the economy. People need energy to heat their homes, X, Y, and Z. And I think if we can get that from renewable energy, um that would be the best thing that we can do i think also you know one planet one chance for about plastic pollution so i think really cutting down on single-use plastics is a massive thing um and economically i think we can we can put in uh several proposals he's actually putting in a carbon tax we we did have a a, a carbon tax before but it's you know it's not on all industries it's not like a massive amount of money for industries to pay the one that he's putting putting in has increased a little bit but I would probably go a step further and basically make that greater and make it applicable to all industries and also have that on all imports as well. Um, so, you know, as the UK has food standards and things like that, that it checks from other countries as well as the stuff we produce domestically, I'd like a carbon tax to be put on and that to be checked internationally as well. And so for people that want to export into the UK, they have to, you know, confirm how much carbon has been produced in their products and that could be factored into the cost and things like that because i think that is really really how we tackle um the climate crisis now we get these emissions down really is by taxing them because at the moment you know the reason we produce so, emi so many emissions is because it's a negative externality it's not priced into the market system it's not priced into the capitalist system and i think when when you put a price on carbon a lot of industries will change a lot faster than anyone thinks that they will uh, you know, in, in most situations, business always finds a way. In other places where it's been trialled, carbon taxes have been really, really beneficial. Um, and I think as long as they make them progressive and not regressive, uh, because obviously, you know, basic necessities like food, clothing, X, Y, and Z, uh, you know, poorer people basically spend more of their income on those things. So as long as they recycle the revenues in such a way to make it progressive, I think carbon taxes would be a brilliant option. Uh, for the UK to really push forward more than they have done um, and yeah to really pursue them I mean when people hear about carbon taxes you know they they scream ah oh, you know socialism or communism <laughs> uh, we are doomed um, but in in reality when uh, uh, when people take a conservative approach to it it's it's not it's not really um uh, a progressive one but it's like a cent it's it's a centrist approach basically <laughs> And 
capitalism can work, but it needs certain regulations to, you know, stop yes, it from yeah. uh, damaging other people's lives overall. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that's that's why carbon emissions are are that negative externality. And, you know, when they're not priced into the market, the market isn't going to be influenced by them. It's as simple as that. So we need to put a price on carbon. And I think then, you know, as you say, a lot of people won't be for that. But um, as I said in the UK, the polling suggests people really want to do something about it. If we demonstrate that, you know, it's, it's a progressive tax, it's not going to hurt people's pockets. And actually, you can combine it with net investment. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, this is a topic that I've studied for in my degree at the moment. So this is the reason I know these facts. But in British Columbia, which is a, a province of Canada, um, they basically recycle revenues. Uh, so if they, if they collect X amount of, of tax from this carbon tax, they recycle 130 to 170% of those revenues back into the economy. Now, what that means is it's not just taking money and then the government chooses where to invest it. It's taking money from carbon intensive industries, but then the government is adding 70% on top of what they collect and, and investing it into society. Typically, those are back to the companies that have paid the most in tax so that they can invest in these renewable energies. Obviously, there's conditions. So, for instance, if they pay this money and they get revenue back, the revenue that they get back has to be spent on innovating new solutions so that they become zero carbon or you know, investing in new infrastructure that is, is more environmentally friendly. And in the end, the target is for everyone to pay less tax because this revenue is being recycled back to these uh, the companies that have to pay most tax so that they can innovate new solutions. And it's sort of, yeah, it, I think that's how you make it, you make it beneficial to people. You show that they're getting something out of it, um, which I think has worked in Canada really, really well. Basically taking more from this side and then reducing general taxes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a difficult concept to grasp. Um, but yeah, basically they are, investing more in green infrastructure zero sum basically yeah and they're taking from the carbon uh, carbon tax but yeah of course you can lower other taxes as well you know lower um certain income taxes vat corporation tax um because you know if, if a company knows if i produce x less of of co2 and i can pay less tax that you know, they're going to go for that and actually it means that you know renewable energy which can become uncompetitive can be expensive you know if i don't have to pay any money for my carbon emissions as a business it doesn't make sense for me to pay a load of money to invest in solar panels that may take 50 years to pay off because i'm not having to pay for that carbon but if you have to pay for that carbon all of a sudden it levels the playing field the solar panels become more financially viable because they end up saving you paying this tax money you see what i mean it's it actually incentivizes that innovation and it incentivizes um that investment uh so to speak and it's a great way to use the capitalist system to use the market system which i think we really have, we're really not utilizing that in this fight for climate change and i really think it's a, it's a powerful weapon that we we have in capitalist countries and i think you know you have to incentivize people to do that you have to show them that you know by investing in green technology you're going to increase your profit margins and that's always been the issue. It's been, it's, you know, it's this taboo subject for business. You know, they get scared when people talk about environmentalism because to them, they think it means lower profit margins. Um, but, you know, if we can influence the market in such a way, it doesn't always have to be like that. And I think that's the, the biggest incentive. It's, you know, it's the, it's the economic impact that people associate with environmentalism that really puts people off and business off. And I think if you really try and tackle that aspect, you'll find we make a lot of progress a lot quicker because people want to live in, um, you know, a cleaner world. People want to live in a greener world. But then, you know, businesses, they're worried about their profit margins. And, you know, people could take whatever opinion they want off that. Um, but I think if we really tackle, if we make it really economically ap more appealing to people and business, I think there will be a lot more progression. And I think that's something we're really underutilizing at the moment, uh, in my opinion. Okay, so, I mean... Yeah, no, that's that's really really an interesting take, and not a lot of people really consider this, uh, uh, or, or maybe they don't want to have the discussion of uh, how capitalism can work. Because I mean, if you look at the alternatives, uh, countries that practice socialism, they don't they don't really have a, 
a green economy or I mean a, a green uh, environment. Uh, mm -hmm. Instead, they end up producing more, more, more pollution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the capitalist system can produce. Yeah, I mean, I mean, bigger government doesn't necessarily mean that that government is going to be any more sustainable. Uh, just attributing more power to government, you know, doesn't necessarily lead to better sustainability. And I think as well, you look at a lot of socialist uh, communist economies is they're very inefficient because there's not that competition. There's no drive to make, uh, you know, in a, in a innovative solutions that capitalism can. And I think uh, with climate change, you know, we don't have much time. We really, really need to innovate as, you know, a collective, as, as, as a planet, really. And capitalism offers us this really good opportunity that if we incentivize people and business to innovate solutions, you know, it's like the COVID vaccines. They've, they've been innovated in such little time. It's amazing. You know, we, we can amaze ourselves as a species when we really put our mind to it. Um, and I think capitalism does enable us to do that. But as I said, we need to make it economically feasible. We need to improve the economic argument. And I think if you incentivize people under a capitalist system, you'll see lots of innovation, lots of efficiency. And that's precisely what we need. We need to be more efficient. We need to be more sustainable. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that will lead to a lot of progression on this matter. And as you say, you know, I, I haven't personally seen a, a socialist or a communist country that's, that's been environmentally friendly. And not to say that they can't, um, but I, I don't personally feel that that's the route we have to go down. I don't. And, I, and also, I think if people associate environmentalism with socialism, I think that's going to put a lot of people off joining us. It's, you know, it goes back to what I said is you have to respect people's wants and desires. People want rising living standards. People want profit margins. People want wages. These things, you know, high wages, these things are not going to go away. Um, and when people come to vote, that's what they're thinking about. They're thinking about themselves as individuals, their families, providing for their families, and that's fair enough. Um, so I think it's it's in a way it's dangerous to associate uh, environmentalism with socialism and communism. These things that have proved very very unpopular, you know, in the UK in 2019, uh, uh, the election between Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn, you know, the, the Labour Party was challenging the Tory Party in that election. They were they were a lot more left-wing than previous Labour parties. And they, you know, they, they suffered their worst defeats since, I think, 1935. So people generally, you know, in the UK anyway, reject socialism. I think it is dangerous to, to make people think the two are aligned or environmentalists are trying to get socialism in through the back door or things like that. You know, I, I think it doesn't have to be that way. And, and um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But apart from uh, 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 trying to solve this issue uh, even through capitalism uh, I really think and, and let me know what you think I really think we need to take a step back and mm. first act as individuals so if every individual limited the amount of uh, litter or pollution that they produce um, collectively that can have a great impact or, or a reduction in in uh, in these uh, problems yeah no definitely and that's I mean, that's that's one of the key messages of one planet one chance too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. individualism you know take individual responsibility you know get your hands dirty yeah yeah i mean don't get me wrong uh you know we need regulation i've just been talking about carbon taxes which is a government regulation i'm you know i'm not against that um but yeah i think fundamentally it has to come from us as people um, and, you know, in democratic countries, we have to show that will for the government to put these things into practice. They're not going to put things into practice that people don't want to do. It has to come from us. It has to come from us as citizens. Um, and as you say, yeah, with One Planet Chance, we very much created that organisation to give people the opportunity to take responsibility and to encourage other people to take responsibility, not to, you know, just share something on social media or have a go at someone for, for buying me or something like that. It's about you deciding I'm going to be the difference. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to come down. You know, maybe I have an hour spare here. Maybe I have two hours. Maybe I have a whole afternoon. doesn't matter. Uh, we're there to provide the opportunity for anyone to come down and decide, you know, as an individual, I'm going to make a change. And it really, I, I think this, it really does depend on that. We can't just rely on government. Uh, government's been slow in, in many instances. There's, 
you know, even a, a capitalist government, there's still a lot of inefficiency there in their investment um, and bureaucracy. And so I think sometimes it really uh, is dependent on local communities, small communities, taking things into their own hands, going out, planting trees in their communities, uh, you know, cleaning it up, making sure there's beach cleans and not just waiting for councils or local authorities to come around once a month, once a year and do their cleans. You know, it's, it's very much down to people to decide that they want to be the difference. And also in a capitalist system, you know, it's really down to the people because a capitalist system is very much catering to our demands. Uh, you know, if, if there's no demand for a certain project, uh, product, sorry, you know, no one's going to create it. This is the, the beauty of capitalism. We as consumers have more power than we think that we do. Um, and we need to create the demand for sustainable industries. We need to create the demand for sustainable products. You know, I hear a lot of people complain about capitalism, but you know, if you keep buying this single-use plastic, it's going to keep getting made. You know, you have to buy things loose. You have to buy sustainable goods if you really do care about it. Um, and yeah, under a capitalist system, this is the reason why, you know, I think, you know, people complain a lot, but I think there's a lot to it is that we actually have a lot of power as individuals and we need to create the demand for sustainable goods. Yeah, no, no, totally. Um I mean, uh, yeah, it, it basically sums up to uh, Jordan Peterson's message, you know, clean your room yeah. before you go out criticizing the world. Very much, very much. Um, and just a, just a quick point on that as well. Um, you know, going back to what I can continually go on about is making this argument appealing to other people is, you know, there's no incentive for someone that's not had the education about environmentalism, maybe is a climate denier, maybe works in a carbon intensive uh, industry, um, you know, struggling to feed their family, their concerns are elsewhere. They are never, ever, ever going to join uh, your side of the argument if you are attacking them, if you're just sharing posts online, sharing videos and not showing them that actually you are willing to get your hands dirty, you're willing to do something. And that's the, the big sort of uh, argument against environmentalists from, you know, particularly the working classes is that actually you're riding around the world in your private jets to all these conferences. Why should I change? And it, it is true. You know, I'm a massive environmentalist, but you have to admit you cannot be hypocritical in uh, this side of politics because you're just not going to get that support. You cannot afford to not practice what you preach because people will not take you seriously. And we really like, do need like to... John, John Kerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Precisely. We really need to practice what we preach if we want to encourage other people to the argument. It's not for us to attack them and say, you know, you're wrong, you're uneducated, because people have different uh, lifestyles, people have different jobs, people have different life situations. It's up to us to create the argument that's appealing for them to join. And that really much bases, uh, is based on us actually showing them how it's done, us practicing what we preach. So there isn't that uh, criticism of the environmental movement, which has existed, uh, you know, for decades, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is elementary. You, you need to be an example before you actually preach you you need to have uh, you need to be inviting in a way you know you can't constantly demonize other people you you have to show them that you embody what you preach and mm. that you know if you join me we can we can uh, uh, create change for the better and and that's that's one particular thing that's missing in in our youth uh, these days you know they they tend to blame, um, um, uh, you know, um, millennials or, or no, yeah. millennials tend to blame boomers and, and other older generations. And maybe, maybe the older generations are at fault, but um, eventually we will be in charge of mm. the country's economy, the country's political structure. Um, you know, it is up to us to actually, actually create change on an individual level. Hmm. And, and, you know, there, there has to be some compromise. Uh, you know, I've seen people come with this argument, they've been attacked for, for greenwashing things or being fake environmentalists. But the thing is, is, you know, we have to appeal to the general population. Um, we have to get them on board. We can't do it without them. We can't do it without big business. I'm, you know, I hate to say it, but they do hold a lot of influence. We've got to do it with them. We've got to bring them on board. We've got to create an argument that's really, really appealing to these groups of people. And that does come with an element of compromise. And if you do go around attacking rich people, attacking you know people that 
aren't necessarily environmental they're not going to join your your cause you very much have to create that argument um that's worth joining and that appeals to them as well which i think you know, is possible you know if we make it more economically appealing which i think it can if we create the right fiscal in, uh, instruments sorry like carbon taxes to incentivize different things and subsidies and sort of guide the economy in the right way um and then practice what we preach and and really utilize the individual in in making the difference with and you know obviously that stems from education as well creating individuals that really want to be the change that they want to see um but yeah i i think i think it is possible for sure and we have to get these people on board we can't just we can't just attack them yeah i mean i mean speaking on uh, uh, i mean you mentioned uh, that the general message is you know don't demonize the other side be an example so so i'll give you an example um so before establishing one planet one chance fiji um i had a family member who um used to burn rubbish and uh, you know it's not going to be a good look on me if if i'm running one planet one chance while i have a family member that's yeah. burning rubbish so the worst approach would be to tell them you know you're an idiot you you shouldn't be doing that you know you're damaging the environment um the frustration is justified but the approach but the approach is wrong and it'll not um end up in a good place you won't actually create change so i took the approach of you know explaining alternatives to burning rubbish you know maybe you can you can take that rubbish and uh, tie it up in a garbage bag for the council to collect and you know at first they denied it you know they were like you know burning rubbish is much more easier it's uh, you know i don't want to you know tie tie up the garbage bag and and put it on the road um but but it's a process of uh, you know convincing someone isn't an instant thing it's it's a process you have to go step by step you you first have to explain to them the benefits of of actually not burning rubbish and then you provide them with alternatives you provide them provide them with solutions uh because yeah. i mean that's that's um that's a big thing that's missing in the environmental movement is providing good enough solutions um the criticism is on point sometimes the like it's on point but they fail to provide um viable solutions and so you know after after a long time of trying to convince this person i um i actually succeeded succeeded and and that person you know um puts the rubbish uh, for the council to collect and yeah. and um again that's that's just uh, down to the individual level if if we if we actually practice that um uh, as a collective eventually i think it'll do more good than harm yeah yeah no for sure um and you know i'm not i'm not saying that we should appease people or appease bad businesses you know i'm not saying that at all i'm not saying we should turn a blind eye to you know things like oil spills you know these are horrible things that need to be called out but what i am saying is we do need to make the the argument more appealing to people that are not on our side and and business because you know you have to unite everyone together and you know we've seen the dangers of of having such a a divisive society um you know with various riots and and things like that and i think it's not conducive and as i said before you know if we really want to make change we've got to have everyone on board we've got to bring everyone forward or at least the vast majority you know obviously i accept you're not going to change everyone's mind but we need to make it appealing to the vast majority um and you know that's really important in democratic nations but yeah as you say that is that is the primary thing i mean the thing is the ironic thing um is that a lot of people on the, the left wing of politics in the uk um they criticized one of our ex prime ministers called margaret thatcher um so she she changed our economy our economy uh she liberalized a lot of the markets we transitioned into a form of economics called neoliberalism um our country became dominated by the services sector and and london became like a hub for financial services uh our economy basically revolved around that we used to have a lot more manufacture and um, obviously a lot of that has been outsourced and you know she she came and a lot of people were angry about that you know i have family from up north and and they were negatively impacted by that um you know all the the manufacturing the coal mines a lot of them got shut as we entered this process of deindustrialization but you know people that were for her were saying well you know the coal mines the manufacturing isn't 
making us any money. It's cheaper to do it elsewhere. We need to invest in financial services and service and the service sector and have that as our main export. And, you know, that's what happened. But my similarity with that is, well, again, this is sort of our next phase of that. We are trying to persuade people to change the economy again, make a capitalist, sustainable economy. Um, but, you know, that that is going to come with job losses, just as Thatcherism came with job losses to the manufacturing sector. You know, she had an idea. She wanted to change the economy. But yes, there was people like people from my family that were negatively impacted by that. Um, and this is what I'm saying. You know, there's going to be jobs in, in carbon intensive industries that are going to be negatively impacted by uh, a sustainable capitalist economy. We've got to create education for those people to retrain. We've got to say that there's going to be jobs on offer for them. Um, we've got to create lots of jobs and we've got to make sure the economy is really strong. And that's what I'm trying to say. We need to make this argument appealing to the people that are going to be affected by it at the end of the day and show them that actually this isn't going to hurt your income. This isn't going to hurt your livelihood. This isn't going to hurt your job. And it's not going to have long term impacts on certain regions uh, that are dependent on carbon intensive industries. And that was the big thing, because this massive change of economy uh, basically ended up leaving a north south divide in the uk because the north had the majority of the manufacturing and the south didn't and so the south was well set up for this new economy and the north wasn't so much um and that's just what happened so we need to make sure that those people that are going to be negative affected uh you know they've got jobs they are assured that the economy is going in the right direction and you know there's still going to be increasing living standards and no region that was dependent on carbon intensive uh you know uh, economy is is negatively affected long term yeah no uh, um so okay so okay let's let's uh bring us back to one planet one chance uh, what's the future of one planet one chance uh, um i mean because it's a non-government organize non-government yeah. organization and, and it's a non-profitable organization too so where do you think it's heading um, or it's it's going to end up um, um, yeah, yeah. yeah sure um so obviously as i said before we are hoping to start all our operations back up in the next couple of weeks a lot of our volunteers are university students and they're coming back to southampton from their university cities uh, so we're going to have a lot of volunteers ready to go so first off i obviously want us to to get back to what we were doing have those events twice a week. Um, there's certain areas of Southampton that I've already checked out that I really want to target, an area called Chesswell Bay, which uh, definitely needs to clean. So get those back up and running, get it back to where we were, and then look to grow. So in two different ways. One way I would want my, my group that I've set up here in Southampton to start doing different activities, so tree planting, um conservation work as well putting up bird boxes things like that because i think all of these things are intertwined uh we're called one planet one chance so we want to you know really branch out a little bit but also like what happened with with me and you is i really want to set up some other uh, one planet one chances internationally internationally sorry and nationally so up north or in wales or scotland or wherever um and abroad as well so i think you know what's happened between me and you you know it's been really successful and i'd love to sort of have that as an area of growth this is showing me that it can be done it's not difficult um and you know we keep in contact a lot and and it's really really positive for me and my volunteers to see that we've inspired another group the other side of the world and and obviously we've known each other better from it i'd love to have those international connections um so very much that type of growth so growth in in sort of how many activities we're doing aside from just beach cleaning, which will definitely continue, it's our main focus, but also to grow internationally, to have more volunteer groups up and running. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's where we're heading at the moment. Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds really amazing. And I, and I look forward to that uh, in, in the next yeah. uh, 10 years or next year, even next year. <laughs> yeah, I, hopefully, hopefully. Um, and yeah, no, big, big credit to yourself because you know i'm i'm amazed that you know someone on the other side of the world you know we've, we've been talking and and you know you're practicing what you preach you're clearly very interested in it and that's a massive credit to you i'm very impressed um you've done a really good job so far so you know that's that's really 
really impressive and I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I forgot to ask, are you, are you vegan? Um, so if I'm moving, I'm moving towards that way. So I've been, I've been vegetarian myself since year three, which is about age, age seven. And that was on my, my, you know, my personal intuition. So only my mum is, is vegetarian. My my dad and my brother aren't, uh, but at age, you know, seven or whatever, when I was doing all this environmental stuff, I, it suddenly occurred to me that I don't really like meat. And also I care a lot about animals. So I decided that it wasn't for me. So I've been vegetarian for a long time. Um, and I now have made several decisions in the past sort of two, three years now. I don't drink any milk. I don't, uh, I have vegan butter. Um, you know, I rarely have cheese. I rarely have eggs. Those are the only two things I have very rarely. So I'm effectively, I am, I just need to cut those two things out and I probably will do that. Soon. What about, uh, fish and chips? <laughs> oh, fish and chips. Uh, yeah, well, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have that the odd time. Um, so, sorry to but, put you on the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's that's fine, that's fine. Um, you know, occasional times my family uh, will get in fish and chips, uh, an old British favourite, and you know, obviously, I'm I haven't been saying no to that, but I I do you know want to completely stop eating fish, which which I will do very soon. It's it's only because I've been living at home and so I've been eating, you know, what my mum cooks for me and things like that. Uh, or or buys in so you know when i'm moving out you know i won't be eating fish anymore yeah i mean overall we've we've covered quite quite a lot from politics to yeah. the economy um and and one planet one chance which is what you're representing uh um, yeah now um and this this was really a really good discussion i think it'll yeah. it'll do uh, uh good for people who really want to get into you know the environmental movement um they can maybe see that that there is an approach that is sustainable that is uh least damaging yeah. to the economy and uh and to the population the general population um yeah so i mean joe this this was this was really good uh, and i appreciate yeah. you for coming on anytime. anytime i'd love to do it again sometime um and you know a podcast is is something i'm, I'm looking to do myself so it's been really enjoyable oh, when, really when are you setting up uh, your podcast um well i'm hoping this summer so after i've, I've got these sort of exams and my dissertation out of the way definitely something i'm looking into um so you'll be able to give me some tips on that and sort of microphones and things like that because i don't have much of an idea at the moment but um it's definitely something i'd love to get into um, and obviously I'm, I'm looking to get into politics eventually. Uh, so with that sort of discourse and, and speaking and things like that. And I think the way that things are with technology and, and where the economy is moving, I think, uh, you know, content creators, that is, you know, going to be such a big, big thing. And I think if you can show that you can do that um, and create content and create entertainment and things like that, I think that's a, a really, really good thing for the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, due to COVID, especially, we've had a much uh, um, harsher push towards uh, uh, digitalization. Uh, you know, we can't operate without uh, without the internet now. And yeah. and I mean, people always tend to look at the negative sides of uh, of the internet, but you know, it can actually do more good than than bad. Um, just like what. I wouldn't have known you without the the internet, would I? So you know. Yeah, exa yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, here's the story. Like the day that um, Zuby went on his live, um, that I followed him the day before that, like literally just. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the next day, I woke up at around uh, I think it was seven a.m. And yeah. and I. I was just really sleepy, but then I saw his live, and then I, I, I was, I, I just wanted to see what the guy was about because I heard of his, uh, uh, the deadlifting, you know, the transgender. He, he, yeah. uh, he uh, identified as a woman while breaking the deadlift record. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so I just wanted to see what this guy was about, and and I, um, and and I joined his live, and and I, and and I was wondering what to ask him. So, so I mean. 
the question of environmentalism and conservatism was one that you know always bothered me um you know how it is in the us so i ended up asking him and then you know it is just chance i didn't even think that he would he would accept my um request yeah uh and luckily you were watching the live too so yeah i was in southampton where zubi's from as well yeah if, if i never went on his live like if i never clicked on his live like yeah. none of this would would be happening no no it's 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 crazy how these things happen you know i mean maybe it's just fate but yeah it's 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 crazy when you think about you know all these different things that we've done since and you know it's obviously come to a lot of good and here we are today uh well yeah it must be a year later it must be a must be a year now yeah it's it's about it's about a year and a half i think okay yeah 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 it is i mean it it was quite quite a journey um uh, yeah I've, i've held uh, about three three one planet one chance uh fiji events uh, uh but the thing is i mean just like you guys uh, we have we have a serious uh covid outbreak um we actually have the indian variant yeah, yeah. that's that's okay now so <laughs> yeah I, i mean um people who are vaccinated also in india i heard uh, that it's really affecting them like like it's all right bad. it's like a much stronger version of covid yeah yeah well you know um lots we've done really well with the vaccine so far and yeah i guess it remains to be seen i mean there's still people that are not vaccinated getting covid here so uh you need two doses so i mean i'm hoping that because obviously you know in the uk uh for the people that are listening 21st of june um was set out during the lockdown as the date where all regulations would cease on absolutely everything um and so you know we're going through stages so 17th of may was the last stage um and the pubs you know, opened up also right yes yeah the pubs the pubs pubs opened up i think it was 16th of april outside at 17th of may they opened up in indoors but yeah 21st of june that's that's meant to be the big one and the indian variant might have pushed that stuff back unfortunately so a lot of people uh in the uk really watching the news every day and and hoping that it's still all right for the 21st of june yeah man that's that's great news uh no i can't wait for things to get back to normal uh which yeah. vaccine did you take by the way is it the astrazeneca yeah, or pfizer so, yeah so i took the astrazeneca uh, myself I've, i've had one dose so i'm still waiting for the second uh i took astrazeneca also uh, really had some serious side effects uh, oh yeah no, i was yeah, yeah. yeah they say um the first dose makes you quite ill the second dose is fine and in pfizer i think it's the the first dose you don't feel it and then the second dose it makes you ill um but yeah no it was the same for me very much so uh okay i mean that's that's great to hear that you guys will be going back to um normal um yeah you know it's high time it's been about a year since we've actually had any type of normalcy um um hopefully things in fiji get better because like the cases are rising by the day uh we have four yeah. deaths it's it doesn't seem that serious but um but you know we're, we're a small community we have a small population so it is a terrible situation it's affecting a lot of people but you know now is as the vaccines come out and and lots of different countries get their vaccines things will will start moving towards norm, normality um but yeah no, the same is true for Fiji I really do uh because obviously I'm I'm hoping to visit as well at some point um soon so hopefully it'll be it'll be right for then yeah I look forward to it man <laughs> yeah no it'll be really good yeah it's, i mean as i mentioned this this was a really good discussion and i'm glad glad to have had you on the show sorry my dogs are barking yeah. in the background not sure we can hear that <laughs> nice yeah nice. uh okay joe i mean yeah would you like to say something before we uh, yeah i mean yeah uh, my last my last sort of thing to say to everyone listening is um you know don't ever think for a second that what you do you know doesn't impact anything on the global stage with climate change or, or with environmentalism as i've said before it it really does rest on individuals 
taking things into their own hands, not just waiting for governments, not just sharing things on Facebook and, you know, voting and think you've done enough. Really go out there, really take responsibility, do something with your friends, you know, doesn't matter what it is. But just as an individual, believe in yourself because individuals really are, they can be the change that we want to see and they, they have to be, I think. And at the individual level is the basis for everything on top of that, going up to the governments and then international bodies. So, you know, my message to anyone listening is, is really be the change you want to see, practice what you preach and try and create an appealing argument to everyone around you for environmentalism, really listen to them, don't demonize them. Um, and together, you know, we really need that united body of, of individuals, sorry, on an international level. Um, you know, if me and you have done it, I'm sure other people can do it. Uh, internationally, we need to unite as individuals and we can, we can stop climate change, we can defeat this. But we have to do it together. Yeah, I'm glad that we ended on a strong message. Yeah, um, thank you. Okay, Joe. So this was the first episode, you're uh, our first guest on the Philological Podcast. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've planned a few more um, around next week with, uh, with a few more people, but basically you're, you're the first one. So, all right. Yeah, see you later. Thank you very much.